I'm excited for listeners to hear all about the world of physics on the one hand, but also about my country life in Mississippi. When you're writing, you're in the book. And reading the book is exactly like that. You're within the story. It's really cool to get yourself out of your everyday routine and to be so hyper-focused on something. Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet NASA astrophysicist Hakim Olushei, award-winning best-selling author Susan Casey, and celebrated speaker and educator Michelle Eichert. Discover why Susan Casey considers her library her personal nirvana, which events Michelle Eichert loves most from her library, and how Hakim Olushei wrote his book to be a guide for others going through tribulations. Enjoy. Hi, this is Hakim Olushei, author of A Quantum Life, My Unlikely Journey from the Street to the Stars. I was inspired to write my book because people who would interact with me, either in person or on social media, would always ask me, how did you do it? How did you make it? They got a hint that my background was a little different from others. And even though it's sort of, I wouldn't say embarrassing, but a risk for me to share these details of my life, I felt basically a duty to do it because it seemed like my story motivated so many people. And I saw the effect it would have on my students. And I wanted to just give that away to the world. So people who are coming from a different walk of life, who are trying to get somewhere and think that it might be beyond them, here's my story of hope, hustle, and help to serve as a guide for, you know, if you think your life is terrible, look at this guy. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, I would say emotional. As I read through my book, on the one hand, there were a lot of stories where I realized that I was the only person left living. For example, my science fair story, my good friend, Antra McGee, you know, he passed away right around the time that the pandemic was beginning. Aristotle Bender, he got into drugs like I did and he passed away young. And also, you know, there were a lot of things I had not yet worked through emotionally as regards my parents. And so reading the audiobook aloud was a different experience from writing it. And, you know, there were times where I basically just had to stop recording and go bald for a minute. There's a couple of words that I realize that, you know, to me, they're the same word, but to others, they're pronounced differently. The words that to me sound like pen and the word to me that sound like pitcher. Apparently there's Two pins and two pictures, but to me, they're the same word. <laughs> I'm excited for listeners to hear all about the world of physics on the one hand, but also about my country life in Mississippi, because it's so far removed from most modern people's experience. And, you know, there are still very rural parts of America today. And I think that, you know, the more that we can put ourselves in other people's shoes, understand their lives and what they deal with every day, then the better we'll be as a society. To prepare for recording the audiobook, you know, what really jumped out at me is the length of the book. And I knew that it would be a marathon session. So I made sure that I got a lot of rest the night before, 
that I drank plenty of water and I didn't talk too much because I know I'd get tired of hearing my own voice. If I had to record again, I would bring with me throat lozenges because let me tell you, by day three, I start feeling a little scratchy. My dream narrator, living or dead, I mean, I have to go with James Earl Jones. And I'll tell you a funny story. I once was asked to do a job by Charles Schwab, and they said, think James Earl Jones. And during that, the director actually stopped at a moment and asked, Hakeem, where are you from? And I said, Mississippi. And she responded, oh, I didn't catch that in your audition. The word is spreads, not spreads. But at the end, I asked her, I was like, was that James Earl Jones? She was like, nope, it was Hakeem, but we'll take it. (laughs) I love local libraries. I love having an actual real book in my hand. I love going through the stacks and seeing what I can discover. That process for me, you know, it's almost like Christmas when you're opening a present. But instead, you know, I'm, I'm opening a section of the library and I'm looking at the titles of the books and just seeing what catches my eye. And I could just devour book after book after book. And now listen to a clip from my audiobook. Some years back, a magazine profiled my transformation from James Plummer Jr., a nerdy kid from some of America's most deeply scarred urban ghettos, to Hakeem Olusheyi, sole black physicist inside the Science Mission Directorate at NASA. The article ran with the tagline, The Gangster Physicist. The handle stuck, and it followed me wherever I went. I understood that it was an eye-catching tag, that it could open doors and young minds that my science degrees alone could not. But over time, I grew to resent it. Gangsta physicist didn't describe the totality of who I was, how far I'd traveled, or how hard I'd worked to get there. Hi, this is Susan Casey, author of The Underworld. I'm inspired by the ocean, and the deep ocean is the most magnificent, mysterious, and awesome part of the ocean, and it's just unimaginably vast. It makes up 98% of the Earth's biosphere, and yet we barely know it. It's always been compelling to me the idea that beneath the surface there's this parallel universe. It's this underworld within our world, just sort of waiting for us to discover it. So I wanted to see what was down there. What kind of a place is it? What would you see if you went there? And take listeners along for that ride, a journey that maybe few people will actually physically take, but through the experiences that I had while I was reporting over the last eight years and the trips beneath the surface that we will take together, hopefully that will enchant listeners as much as it enchants me, because there is a lot down there. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be immersive. Because when you're writing, you're in the book. And reading the book is exactly like that. You're within the story. You can't be thinking ahead or looking behind. You're just 100% present. So it's a way of inhabiting the narrative. To my surprise, 
One word that I had trouble pronouncing regularly was depth. <laughs> and that's not great when you're, when you're reading a book about the deep ocean because the word depth comes up often in this book, and there's just something about depth. It was constantly a challenge. I'm excited that listeners will be able to take this journey with me beneath the surface and hopefully have a sense of what it's like in this surreal and sublime kingdom of the deep, which most likely they will never actually physically visit in person, but hopefully through the experiences that I'm writing about and the experience of listening to the book, they'll have a sense of the grandeur of it and the dimensions of it. You know, they can be scary, but they're also just fantastical. So I'm super excited to share that. I prepared for the audiobook reading by listening to audiobooks and noticing which ones held my attention and different voice inflections that seemed to help the story flow, different tonalities, and the kind of things that you don't often think about when you're just writing words on a page, the small distinctions that will make a story come alive. I think my dream narrator would be Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer. As I was listening to audiobooks, the one audiobook that I listened to over and over again was her reading of Big Magic. And even though Elizabeth is an astonishing writer, she has a second career in performing because her voice is just fantastic to listen to. The last great audiobook that I listened to was Rick Rubin's The Creative Act. Rick is a friend. And his voice is just sonorous. It's just sort of almost hypnotic. He's a wise man, and he's also a man of few words, and a great mind within the music world, and listens and hears differently than anybody. So listening to that book in his own words was really, I think, the best way to experience that book. My favorite thing about my local library is that it contains two of the things that I love the most, books and quiet. And like a lot of authors, I'm an introvert, so the idea of a space that's specifically dedicated to people sitting in silence and reading is sort of a nirvana for me. And looking at the shelves and all the books that are there and yet to be read by me, I don't know, it's like a candy store, really. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. If you were searching for world-famous deep-sea monsters, a stately building at the top of a hill in Uppsala, Sweden, is not the first place you'd look. But the monsters are here, behind the butter-colored facade and tall windows of Uppsala University's oldest library, an institution known as Carolina Rediviva. The university was established in 1477. Uppsala, a charming city about an hour north of Stockholm, has been around for even longer. Hi, this is Michelle Eichard, author of Eight Setbacks That Can Make a Child a Success. I wrote this book because I geek out on sociology. Initially, I was inspired by researching rites of passage and what has universally been understood about what happens when a kid becomes an adult, 
across time, across culture, across demographics? Just what are the universal truths around that? So I started with that. And then when I talked to parents, I heard so many amazing stories about their child's coming of age. I knew I could string it all together into a book. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. If I could use two words, I would say fun and exhausting. But fun is the primary word because it's really cool to get yourself out of your everyday routine and to be so hyper-focused on something that the outside world just doesn't creep in. So that was a really neat experience. I realized I had trouble pronouncing the word question. I have to think very carefully about the Q-U and the S-T. And I also realized I use the word question a lot in my book. I'm excited that listeners will finally get to hear the story of Sandra Boynton and the cannibalistic turkeys in my high school years. How did I prepare for reading this audiobook? I fully did not prepare. I uh, showed up and I brought some drinks and some lip stuff, but otherwise I had done this once before. I knew that I would be very well taken care of and I just kind of showed up ready to roll. If I had to record again, I would bring a little mini tripod to put my camera on because there have been moments where I wanted to take a little video either to show people what it's like in here or to share on social media. But I am grateful that the studio where I recorded had a big tripod that they could lend me. So that was terrific. If it weren't me recording this audiobook, I would cast either Jenna Fisher or Jennifer Garner. I love them both. I'm told all the time that I look just like Jenna Fisher, and I think I sound like her, and I think I act like her. I do not look like Jennifer Garner, but I do love the way she reads, and I love her Instagram when she's often reading to kids for Save the Children, so I think she'd be terrific. I love listening to audiobooks either while I'm driving or while I walk my dogs. Sometimes both of those can be a chore for me, and so popping in an audiobook can make it a little bit more pleasant and make the time go by faster. My favorite thing about my local library is all of the kids' events. Sometimes I take my laptop there to do work, and I'll position myself so I can see the kids come in for story time or reading with a dog, any of the fun stuff that they do for little kids there. I adore it. And now, listen to a clip from my audiobook. I hope you enjoy it. You, I, and every other listener bring to this book a different take on what it means to fail and what it means to succeed. Difference in perspective is surely a good thing because we need all kinds of ambition, goals, and talent to make the world we live in interesting, industrious, safe, and innovative. But we need to reframe failure and success, at least for this book to make sense. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com 
Next, listen.